When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome into the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined more often than not by my longtime brother, Daniel Sancato. On today's episode, we'll be discussing our boomer bust picks, as well as players we think could have a significant bounce back season. If you have a fantasy football question or comment for our listener mailbag, please reach out to us via email at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Pod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids. Hashtag TCK pod. We have a great episode for you today. So without any further ado, let's talk ball. Hey, Daniel, how are we doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here enjoying, enjoying a uh, loud, hazy double IPA from Almanac Brewing Company. So big ups to Almanac Brewing in San Francisco. 
uh, known for their sour beers, but recently getting really, really upping their IPA game. And this thing is freaking astonishing. It's like drinking a honeydew melon. Um, so <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good right now, man. How are you doing? Excellent. I'm great. I'm great. I had a really long day, helped a friend moved, move into town from, uh, from Minnesota and, um, you know, had a, had a long, had a long day in the heat. Uh, but I'm here and I'm ready to talk some business. We got a preseason game under the belt at this point. We got some more coming up this weekend and I'm getting pretty fired up. Um, so let's, uh, let's jump into this. Let's do it. If you change your mind, take a chance on the first line, on the take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Booms and busts. And I put the boom into boom bust. We're going to be talking about boom and bust players. These are players who could arguably win or lose your league. And that's kind of an intense thing to say. However, the players that I've got down on my list, uh, I truly believe that um, with, with the magnitude of what they could potentially do for your team, but what also you may invest in them at their current ADP and uh, you know, they could also blow up for you and, and disappoint. So we're going to get into boom and bust players. My first boom or bust player is Patrick Mahomes, which I feel like this is kind of obvious right off the bat. Um, I feel like he would be in a lot of people's category uh, for this, but I just have to kind of state the obvious and, and put it out there because I think there's a lot of people who are super, super hyped on Mahomes and rightfully so. Um, but essentially he's, he's still a rookie. Um, as far as game experience goes, he did play one game, one game only in 2017, and it was pedestrian. Uh, he had a 63% completion percentage, 284 yards, no touchdowns, threw a pick. He only had seven rushes for just 10 yards at Denver. I'm going to give him a slight pass because he was at Denver. That's a, that's a bitter rivalry for many, many years, and it's hard to play up there at Mile High Stadium, especially as a rookie against that defense that turned it around at the end of the year, but still not the best numbers. Um, it's also worth noting that Mahomes has already thrown eight interceptions over just seven training camp sessions this preseason. Uh, mm -hmm. Andy Reid doesn't seem to be too worried about it. Um, basically mentioning that, you know, if somebody doesn't have the, uh, the ability to let it loose and try the offense, they're basically just going to, you know, be scared and check it down every time, uh, which is something that I think he had with Alex Smith early on. And then he finally let him turn it loose and we saw what happened. Um, but he also, Mahomes also threw 29 interceptions over 32 games in college at Texas tech. So, Basically, you know, he's got a cannon of an arm that nobody would uh, dispute. However, his accuracy is, is certainly not primed. And I worry that in the NFL, um, especially in the uh, NFC or AFC, excuse me, AFC West um, with solid DBs, I think, you know, he could certainly get into trouble real quick. Um, we had mentioned uh, in a previous podcast that Alex Smith was the number one deep ball accuracy passer last year on his way to arguably an MVP worthy season. 
Um, so it's possible that Mahomes could jump into that Kansas City offense and have similar results uh, with top weapons such as Kelsey Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, and Spencer Ware. Um, he could certainly break out and pull a Deshaun Watson, but he could also have a slow start and possibly bust this year considering the overall assumed hype. Um, I love him as a player. I hope he does well because it's always nice to have kind of a fresh athlete in the league who can run and, and chuck it the way that he can. But um, I just don't think he's going to match Alex Smith's numbers. And therefore, I think that uh, the hype is, is a little overblown um, for what I think people are expecting from Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're going to find too many people who are, who are bigger fans of Mahomes than myself. Um, and I have, you know, can have a lot to say about him in, in uh, a different show. But um, and I did, I did read about sort of his, his training camp and how it's been uh, lackluster. And uh, Andy Reid's comment struck me as more than a little bit of a dig at, at, uh, at Alex Smith. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I'm not placing too much stock in, in him throwing picks in training camp. Obviously they're, they're trying to get him to let it fly and to get used to things and, um, and kind of figure it out. But the overall point you make is 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 very true, which is just in general with a rookie quarterback with this type of sort of electric arm. Um, there's no doubt there's going to be a, there's going to be some picks. I mean, there's going to be some ugly games. Um, I do think he'll throw for yards. I think he'll throw touchdowns, but there's going to be some ugliness in there, too. Um, and if he really struggles early, um, you know, it's possible that 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 he. I, mean, I don't think he'll get benched, but I, I mean, I think uh, they could end up leaning more on a uh, 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 running back duo of, of Kareem Hunt and uh, Spencer Ware um, and, and, and sort of stop letting him fly in, in quite the same way. So, so we'll see. I think, I think it's going to be definitely he's maybe the quarterback to watch this year. I think a case could be made for that. Um, so it'll be really exciting to see. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about Mahomes throughout the season. Um, for my uh, first boom bust pick for quarterback, um, I am also going to take kind of low hanging fruit, a fairly obvious choice, and that's Andrew Luck, um, who appears to be on his way back um, from from a series of shoulder procedures that put him away for more than a year. Um, obviously, this is welcome news for for Colts fans and fans of football in general. Obviously, Luck is supreme talent, um, and, and you know the, the game is better off with him in it. Um, Certainly, the game is better off without Jacoby Brissett. Um, but, uh, but I, I, you know, obviously, there's I, I, there's a lot of concerns with a guy come uh, who's coming back from over a year's worth of shoulder maladies, um, and I, I'm a little hesitant in terms of grabbing Andrew Luck uh, uh, early in drafts, and that's something that apparently people are. Are relatively ready to do. I mean, he's going uh, in the eighth round right now. He's the eighth overall quarterback off the board, um, and that's higher than people like Philip Rivers, uh, Roethlisberger, Stafford, Matt Ryan, who I think um, I think a case could be made for any of those guys putting up more value than Luck. But Luck could also truly be healthy and and smash the league and finish as a top three or four quarterback. Um, but you know, obviously, the the same the same you know you could talk about it over and over again. He's working with a rebuilt shoulder. He's been away from live action. He's only recently started throwing again. Um, I think uh, he's going to have a relatively short amount of time to absorb 
the offense of uh, new head coach Frank Reich. Um, and, and I think the Colts would probably be wise to sort of ease him back into action um, and, and to sort of limit his exposure early at least. Um, so, so I think, you know, there's a tremendous amount of risk uh, in, in drafting luck this year. Um, I personally am erring on the side of caution and, and, and I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be a star at least right off the bat. It's possible that he gains some steam and by the end of the season, uh, you know, c- can look dominant. And that's kind of obviously where the boom comes into play. Um, but he's definitely somebody that's not for, uh, not for the, the faint of heart um, in fantasy football, for sure. Yeah, as you mentioned, Luck is definitely a player who I think truly could win or lose your league, depending on where you're going to draft him. Um, if you're in, if you're of, of kind of the new wave of not drafting a quarterback until the eighth, ninth, tenth round, then maybe it's not as severe. But I know in certain home leagues, certain certainly in the the main league you and I play in, quarterbacks generally go in the you know third, fourth round. Right. And, and just a couple of years ago, I remember uh, Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck going in the first and second rounds. So, um, you know, he definitely has it for sure. I'm certainly concerned. Uh, I personally am, am just staying away from him. Um, I think there's plenty of other options, as you mentioned, guys like Matt Ryan, Stafford, Roethlisberger, all those guys I'd rather have over him. And um, their offensive line scares me as well. Uh, I, they're just, they're just, um, I take a lot of stake in the offensive line, which I think, you know, the industry professionals, I think take into consideration, but I think just the average player of fantasy football doesn't necessarily consider the offensive line because it's just not something that we keep track of in fantasy football as far as points and things like that. But playing football my entire life and being a football nerd for 20 plus years, the offensive line is really the bread and butter of the entire team. Uh, on offense, obviously, and uh, their offensive line is is uh, rough. I mean, they rank you know twenty fifth uh, per Pro Football Focus, um, but they also had ten different Colts um, play at least one hundred and forty snaps and playing multiple different positions, which you know is a different skill set. And um, they also had the third lowest yards before contact uh, to a running back at just one yard in the NFL. Um, and that's, you know, we're talking about running backs, not Andrew Luck, but if they don't have a running game, Andrew Luck's going to have to chuck it as much as he can, which is good for him points wise, but that's also more dropbacks. That's more hits. That's more potential sacks. And last year the Colts gave up a ton of sacks and I just don't think Andrew Luck's as mobile as he used to be. So yep. all of that being said, um, I think he's a great choice for this category because if he's right and if T Y Hilton can be T Y Hilton, and they get some of these younger receivers and Marlon Mack and you know, Naheem Hines and these guys can come out of the backfield and they have, uh, you know, uh, two solid tight ends there. I think they could be really great. Um, but I also think, you know, one wrong hit to Andrew Luck and uh, I would almost, I'd be about his career in general. So um, yeah. that's, that's a little worrisome for me. Yep. My right. running back, my running back boom bust is Dalvin Cook, who I personally love and i'm i'm really hoping it's boom not bust um coming out of florida state i loved dalvin cook i remember watching him run in college and just being like whoever gets this guy is going to be stoked and he's going to be a stud in the nfl and then he goes to the vikings who had adrian peterson forever and you know had no passing game 
and Adrian Peterson was still Adrian Peterson. And um, now they do have a solid quarterback, a solid receiving core, obviously, and um, a nice tandem uh, with um, Murray. So Dalvin Cook obviously only played a couple of games last year. Um, He got hurt right away, but during those games, he was very, very solid. Um, So far, he's in camp. He's running without his knee brace. Um, and you know, the talks are that he's going to be ready for week one. Um, cook is a concern and unproven obviously, but, uh, certainly promising as well. Um, he is set for a bell cow role, although Latavius Murphy is on his heels ish and we'll see all the work that he can handle in a very potent offense. Um, the Vikings generally are kind of run first, and I think Cousins will certainly add to the passing game, but they're going to be um, putting games away, I believe, in the second half of games in the fourth quarter. And um, Cousins, I think, could do enough work in the first half with that defense to give them a steady lead where they can just kind of salt it away with Cook. And I think he can get a lot of, you know, albeit garbage time potentially, but a lot of extra yards and points and touchdowns um, second half in ball games. And if you take his numbers over his shortened four-game season uh, last year in 2017 and extrapolate them over uh, 16 games, we're looking at 300 carries, 1,400 yards, and eight touchdowns, which, you know, I could see him closer to 10 touchdowns. Um, in that offense, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Jarek McKinnon is obviously gone in San Francisco. Um, like I mentioned, that Vikings defense is very stout and uh, – Cousins could potentially be able to run up the score early, and um, I could see it being Dalvin Cook for the second half. Um, he had some great breakaways last year and uh, was an absolute machine in college um, just two years ago at Florida State. So I'm really thinking that it's more boom than bust with Dalvin Cook, but you're basically having to draft him in the late first, early second round. And that's where the bust potential comes in because, as I mentioned in a previous episode, it's less about the player itself and it's more about the ADP in fantasy football. And if you're having to put a first or second round pick in this guy and he's got, you know, a knee surgery coming out of college, he's got another one here in the first year of the pros, you know, we'll see what happens. But I feel good about Dalvin Cook, but I, I definitely wanted to mention that um, he's certainly risky. Yeah, uh, I mean anybody coming back from a from a torn ACL is risky. Um, and, and yeah, I mean if 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 there's, I mean the main thing that 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 worries me with Cook is certainly not his talent level. I think it's just more what is his role going to be early in the year. Um, and if, if I think if the Vikings are smart, they will they will take it relatively slow with him. And they obviously seem to have no problem leaning on Latavius Murray a bit. Even though I don't think Murray's a particularly talented running back, he somehow managed to amass what 840, uh, 842 yards last year, um, uh, and I think you know he'll he will likely play a big role early in the year. Um, so you know it, it's definitely, but I mean the talent is unquestionable, and I do think as the year goes on, assuming he stays healthy, he's going to by the end of the year. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he was the t- a top three running back in the last you know eight six to eight weeks of the season i would not be surprised at all given how talented he is um but it's gonna you're gonna there's probably gonna need to uh, be some patience exercise for anybody who's willing to own him um okay so moving on to my uh running back boom bust pick uh i'm going with uh, yet another runner coming back from a significant injury david johnson um 
So the Cardinals are getting him back after he missed 15 games last year with a wrist injury, which is uh, probably not as difficult, not going to be as difficult to return from as say a torn ACL or an ankle issue or something along the lines, but it still kept him away from live action for the better part of a year. Um, and, and so I'm, I kind of, I have a very, very mixed feelings about Johnson. Um, I actually have him ranked as the number three running back in PPR leagues ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, which I think is probably uh, relatively uh, controversial. And I, I, I do that mostly because I think he's a PPR monster. I think he's going to be a focal point of both the, the running game and the passing game. Um, I think he's obviously going to be a workhorse for, for them. And I, unlike somebody like Dalvin Cook, I have less of a concern about his early season workload. I think he'll hit the ground running and be a huge part of, of the offense. Um, but I'm sort of going to, even though I, I like David Johnson, and I think he's an incredible talent. In some sense, I'm actually going to present some argument against him uh, because he's, there's no doubt that he's a huge, 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 uh, gamble. So it's it's not going to help that the Cardinals don't have much in the way of receiving talent or a surefire field-stretching quarterback. Um, supposedly their quarterback is Sam Brad- Bradford, but let's be honest, uh, he's going to get probably going to get hurt, and thus you'll see a mix of Mike Glennon and the unknown Josh Rosen. Um, so the quarterback situation is a huge unknown. Um, when David Johnson topped 2,000 yards rushing and receiving in 2016. He had Carson Palmer chucking the ball for more than 4,000 yards. Um, and I, you know, you, that's just simply not going to happen this year with whoever really is going to be under center for them. Um, and again, no real receiving, no proven receiving talent outside of Larry Fitzgerald uh, to throw to. So the fear is, I think, with Johnson um, is that teams are just going to ho- horribly disrespect their passing attack and just absolutely annihilate Johnson on his rushes. Um, that's I think the the major uh, I think the major reason for why he is a, a bu- certainly a bust candidate, um, but he can still have a really solid year. Um, again, I think he's going he's going to be a monster in both the rushing and the passing game. He's absolutely going to be their workhorse. Um, opportunity is still king in uh, in fantasy football, um, and I think uh, you know he could pay big dividends for owners, but it's certainly not not without its risks. I agree. I agree. I think that their their uh, their run game two years ago was was excellent with Carson Palmer because they couldn't stack in the box. Last year he goes down right away, albeit a hand injury, which is uh, good news, I suppose. Um, so that's you know that's something to to be on the positive. But the Cardinals' offensive line again. I hate to just kind of you know beat the dead horse, I guess as they say, but um, I can't get away from from things like basically offensive lines within the top five or the bottom five really stand out for me. And the Cardinals were ranked 31st in the league. And I'll just throw this little nugget out for you. Their running backs last year, this is obviously without David Johnson, their running backs last year averaged negative 0.2 yards before contact on outside zone runs. Ouch. So that means literally they got hit in the backfield more right. often than not. Um, I mean, that's just not going to get it done. And I don't see, you know, Sam, Sam Bradford. Sure. He, uh, he apparently, you know, accidentally set the uh, completion percentage record two years ago before Drew Brees beat him last year. Um, but, you know, not very many of those 
throws were down the field. Um, right. I'm a I'm a huge Larry Fitzgerald fan, uh, but outside of him, they don't really have a lot of threats. And Fitz is not stretching the field like he used to. He's an over the middle guy. So David Johnson, I think, will crush in PPR more so than standard because he's going to get those dump offs. He definitely can run. We've obviously seen him, and he's arguably the best athlete on the team at this point of Fitzgerald's career. But I worry that you're correct. They don't have a threat. If Rosen doesn't come in there and start shooting down the field, I don't see Bradford doing it, and I just don't see defenses backing off of Johnson, targeting him as the best player on the field. Um, and and for that reason, I actually have I have David Johnson uh, significantly lower than you. Um, yeah. I have Zeke Bell, Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and then David Johnson. So, you know, I love him as a player, but I just – he's going as a top three running back uh, or four running back depending on your ranking, and I just don't see that being the outcome this year. My receiver is Will Fuller. I was doing my research on Will Fuller, and <laughs> I'm just not really sure where to start here. Um, the, the The first note I put down was that Will Fuller had seven touchdowns over a four-game stretch yep. from weeks four, five, six, and eight, which yep. is extremely impressive. Yeah. Um, pretty unbelievable, actually. Uh, unfortunately for Will Fuller, he didn't score a touchdown the rest of the season. And can you guess how many catches he had over those four games? I'm going to guess. So he had, he had seven touchdowns, right? Is that, that's what you said? Seven. Yeah. Seven touchdowns over four games. I'm I'm guessing he had nine catches. Ooh, pretty close. He had 13. (laughs) Okay. I knew, I knew that it was the third an unsustainable sort of uh, touchdown to catch regular catch ratio, but uh, yeah, yeah, frankly, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, sometimes you see tight ends do this kind of thing. Like, I mean, you've seen like, like Tyler Eifert over the years has done something like this um, where, you know, he's caught like two catches a game and one of them's a touchdown kind of thing. Basically that's all you need to know about Fuller. Um, he's a speedster. He's got great athleticism playing opposite, you know, one of the best receivers in the league and DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson played out of his mind last year, which is something that I think everybody agrees is going to come back down to earth. But what if that's not too far from his actual capabilities? Um, What if Deshaun Watson is actually that good? Uh, Remember he did play in back-to-back national championship games and he was just completely out of this world when he was playing in healthy last year. What if Lamar Miller and the run game can actually play decently? If that can happen, I think that these numbers can stay somewhat relative for Will Fuller. Now, is he going to catch a touchdown every game? I doubt it. However, I think he can certainly be a wide receiver two um, on his team and potentially a wide receiver three in the league with huge, huge boom potential. Um, he is a speedster. He can catch bombs. Uh, we saw Deshaun Watson, especially in that Seattle game where he was just chucking balls all over the, all over the field. And, you know, DeAndre and Will Fuller basically just have to go catch him. So it's certainly there, but if not, you could be counting on production on an average of 2.8 receptions a game, 2.8 receptions a game. That's horrendous. 
I'm not I'm not going to be dealing with that. Um, Crowder, Goodwin, and um, your boy Robbie Anderson are getting drafted behind him. He's going wide receiver 31. I'd rather have all of those guys. Randall Cobb is in that mix as well. Cooper, um, Cup. Cooper Cup, absolutely. I mean, all those guys I'd rather have in that range over Will Fuller. Um, I just think there's way too much boom bust potential. And I think there's just so much more bust potential again with all of those touchdowns in, in a four game stretch. That's quite impressive. However, he didn't have any, the rest of the season. And that worries me. Um, he was either taken out or he was getting injured, which he's done often in the last couple of years. Um, obviously the alpha dog there is Andre Hopkins. Uh, let's not forget about Kiki Cutie who they drafted, who's a stud. Um, they have great tight end uh, play as well, I think, from some sleepers that people aren't really aware of. And as much as I try to dislike Lamar Miller, he is there and not terrible. Um, and if, um, you know, Deontay Foreman can get back to health, they're they're pretty stacked. So I just don't see Will Fuller putting up the numbers. He's going to have to at that range. And uh, he is literally the, the type of player that could win or lose your league in the sixth round. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Again, I mean, obviously he's an athletic machine. Uh, His, his speed is, is among the best. Um, And if he gets targets and if, if uh, Watson is anywhere in the vicinity of what he was doing last year, uh, I, I can't imagine there's any way that he's quite as amazing, but even if he's just even in the vicinity of what he was doing last year, uh, Fuller could, could be, could could totally be a game changer. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think, and I think a lot of people that are drafting him as high as he's going are probably thinking, um, you know, they're, they're showing very, there's looking at the very clear trend that his regression last year coincided with Watson's injury and that with Watson back, he's going to, he's going to sort of recoup some of that value. But yeah, I, there's, that's such a far, you know, so far from, from a given that um, I can't imagine I'm just looking at, the player, Jamison Crowder, Garcon, uh, you mentioned Robbie Anderson and Jordy Nelson going going after him. Uh, Alan Hearns, who I believe is probably going to be the number one target over there in Dallas. Um, so so I think there is up, there's a ton of upside. There's no doubt about it. He's the definition of a lot of ticket. I think there's a lot better options at that point in the draft uh, than than Fuller. But but we'll see. We'll see. It'll be, he'll be an interesting case to revisit. Uh, mid-season and kind of see how things have been going. Um, okay, so my receiver pick, another uh, kind of obvious low-hanging fruit pick for a boom bust, and that's Josh Gordon, um, who, uh, I, I, you know, I was actually quite stunned with with what he did when he came back last year. It didn't really seem like he missed a beat. Uh, he, what, he didn't turn up a ton of fantasy value, but that was because the quarterback play was, needless to say, a little bit less than ideal. Um, 39% of his targets were over 20 yards and only five out of 16 were catchable passes. Um, but that goes to show that the, that the Browns kind of want or wanted to use him down the field. Um, but I think the concern, and I'll get to his sort of off the field issues in just a second, but just, just in terms of his kind of on field uh, concerns for now, um, I think there's bound to be some changes with, uh, Todd Haley taking over as the new offensive coordinator. Um, I think the main reason why I'm concerned about Gordon, uh, uh, again, uh, 
football-wise, is that they, if you think about the players that they brought in this offseason, Tyrod Taylor, Carlos Hyde, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, Jarvis Landry, um, and that just screams that they want a ball control style offense, uh, not the type of offense that Gordon is really going to thrive on. Um, I, I think if you're, if you're drafting Gordon as a top 24 receiver, which a lot of people are, you're basically saying that Landry is going to cap out at around 100 targets, which I, don't, I think he is reasonably likely to go more than that, not to mention uh, the other people they got, they got over there. Um, and again, obviously, I can't, I'd be remiss to talk about uh, Josh Gordon without talking about his off-the-field concerns. And he's now he's been away from the team for the entirety of training camp so far, sort of under kind of semi-mysterious circumstances that he's receiving treatment, but they're not really saying what it is. Um, I don't know what to make of all that stuff. I certainly hope that that things are well for him. Um, I feel for the guy in terms of the the, the uh, substance abuse issues and the the uh, mental health issues, and and I, I I want him to be a baller this year as much as anybody. Um, but uh, being him being away from the the team so far for training camp doesn't bode well for him learning the new offense, develop, developing chemistry with uh, Gordon. Um, excuse me, developing chemistry with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and uh, and and so for that reason, I'm almost undoubtedly passing on him in drafts. But but if somebody gets him at a decent value, he's another guy who could potentially win your league if he's if he becomes a big part of that offense. Um, no thanks from my perspective. But um, but I definitely I hope he does well for sure. For me, Josh Gordon is one of those guys that I'm not going to draft, but I will certainly be keeping an eye on. And say week you know six, eight, ten comes along we'll see if Tyrod can can hold off uh Baker Mayfield and during that time um we'll just decide if if uh Josh Gordon is first of all playing second of all consistently and if his numbers are there and if so um he's somebody that I would definitely look look to trade for later in the season um they did just get rid of Corey Coleman um to uh to to the Bills and you know Corey Coleman didn't light the world on fire however until he was traded there was a lot of talks that he was kind of the next best next big thing coming up certainly athletic and um able to uh you know kind of be a filler for josh gordon um so they're confident in whatever's going on with gordon off the field that he can kind of bounce back i personally just have i just have a gut feeling that he's not feeling uh being in the limelight um with the uh hard knocks episode coming on and that might just be kind of me overthinking it or or mm. thinking thinking outside the box uh, which i guess isn't fantasy football related however um just on a on a human level football aside this guy has gone uh to hell and back i believe three years in a row um yeah. and he clearly ha you know has or had um substance abuse, uh, abuse issues that he is working very hard to yeah get yes. on and 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 there's a lot of the clowns in this league that take their opportunity for granted and piss it away um and he i think did that early unintentionally and realized who he is and what he's actually capable of and i truly believe that he's been spending the last two years trying to rectify that situation um, when he did come back late last season after suspension um he was starting to get his groove in and that was with Deshaun kaiser right. um tyrod 
made something out of uh, Sammy Watkins uh, for those years in Buffalo early on a few years ago before Sammy started getting hurt. So he can definitely chuck it. We know that Mayfield can chuck it. He's extremely accurate. Um, Landry's definitely going to control the middle of the field, but I, I could see Josh Gordon certainly um, catching a few deep balls. And once he gets that flow uh, again, later in the season, once he kind of gets his wings underneath him, I think he could do it. So I'm not super concerned that he's away from the game right now. I think that's just kind of a, a head space thing for him. And um, I'm just rooting for the guy as a, as a person, Um, you know, certainly uh, substance abuse is, is uh, no joke. And I, I feel for the guy as well. And I just hope he can turn it around on a personal level. And uh, we all know he's a hell of an athlete, but there's, there's more to this than, uh, than just football. Yep. A hundred percent agree. Um, I love, I love, um, I, I love how Josh Gordon has kind of approached his issues. And I, I think he's shown a great deal of humility um, and, and, uh, you know, owning up to his prop, to his, to his disease. Um, and, and certainly, uh, you know, I, I hope he wins MVP for all I care, you know, um, for sure. But, uh, but, uh, in the cold, cold, emotionless land of fantasy football, uh, I'm, I'm, will, will likely be passing, um, unless he falls pretty far, but, uh, but anyway, there's that. I agree with you. <laughs> My tight end is Zach Ertz. Uh, this was my guy last year. Um, I grabbed him, I believe, in the eighth round, and he was kind of the quarterback uh, uh, tight end, excuse me, who was up on the uh, kind of the come up. And we had kind of been waiting for his breakout for the last couple of years. Um, and last year it happened. Uh, you know, he finished the season as the tight end three behind only Kelsey and Gronk and PPR. Um, however, he was just seventh from weeks 14 to 17 after Wentz went down. And meanwhile, Trey Burton, who is now in Chicago, obviously was the tight end nine during that stretch. So basically the Eagles kind of the Eagles or Nick Foles kind of went away from just Ertz late in the season. Now he did catch a Super Bowl touchdown. They did uh, target him heavily in the playoffs. And I think he is certainly the go-to option. And I would argue with Wentz, even above uh, Alshon and um, Nelson Aguilar there on the Philadelphia offense. But and I'm a huge Ertz fan. Um, I just kind of playing devil's advocate here in this category, kind of seeing where he could boom, where he could bust. We know where he can boom. He boomed last year. He scored eight touchdowns. Um, but I think the bust is also uh, very real, especially if you're drafting him in the third round as one of these top tight ends and sacrificing that ever important running back wide receiver option. Um, basically, you know, Ertz did miss uh, week 14 with an injury and Foles used um, both tight ends more than Wentz. Uh, I'm not concerned about that. Um, Wentz and Ertz were locked when they did play together and Burton is gone. Um, I see them using Dallas Goddard who they drafted this year, just in front of the Dallas Cowboys after Jason Winton retired, which I thought was the best part of the entire NFL draft, but that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a rookie and he's going to take some time to mesh in the system at NFL speed and with Carson Wentz, who frankly has been practicing, but not out there running first teams yet because he's got his own things to deal with, with his knee and everything. So I, don't think Dallas Goddard is going to get in the system right away. Uh, he's also more of a blocking tight end. Um, 
Ertz has had three consecutive seasons with more catches than Rob Gronkowski and has only missed five total games in five seasons, whereas Gronk has missed at least five games in four of his eight seasons. Gronk is Gronk, but I'll take Ertz with a better chance to play 14-plus games. Ertz, uh, Ertz's one knock may be his uh, touchdown upside. Um, last year he had a career high in eight touchdowns in 14 games. Before that, his touchdowns were just four, three, two, and four. Um, but Wentz is much better than what he's been playing with before that. And Ertz has developed into an excellent tight end. Uh, I could see some touchdown regression, which I think most people think is going to happen. Um, mm. However, I could also see more touchdowns. I think sometimes when, when guys break out, like, you know, and, and we say, okay, there's their best year, that's their ceiling. Sometimes that's just how good they actually are. And they maintain that for a couple of seasons. Zach Ertz is one of those guys we were talking on a previous episode about Hayden Hurst and how he is older. Um, and a lot of times tight ends catch their stride at a later age. And I think that Ertz is really kind of finding his groove there. Um, they say that tight end is one of the hardest positions in the NFL to learn because you're learning all of the lineman assignments, all of the route tree, and you're learning how to block and you know, catch passes from your quarterback. Um, and there's a lot going on there, obviously, for a younger player. So I can see Ertz absolutely getting up to 10-plus touchdowns. And if he does that, I think he'll just be the number one tight end. Um, Ertz is the number one red zone target, in my opinion, over Alshon and Aguilar, like I mentioned before. And uh, Philly doesn't have a goal line back now that Blunt is in Detroit. Um, Ertz not, may not be as sexy as Gronk or Kelsey, uh, up at the top, but I can see him either finishing as the tight end one or the basically out of the top five. Um, I made a, a, a crazy call in a previous episode that was basically somebody other than Gronk, Kelsey, or Ertz will be the top tight end this year, and I think it's going to be Ertz or somebody else. I don't think Kelsey or Gronk is going to be that person, which we'll get into some other time. Yeah. And I just think that the uh, Eagles are going to try to lean on the run game a little bit more to inv uh, and possibly involve Goddard off the bat. Um, and if they do that, then Ertz could definitely take a hit. But, you know, I love Zach Ertz. He was great last year. I think he's a great player. Him and Wentz definitely have the connection. And I would just advise if you're going to take a risk and you're going to draft Ertz in one of those top uh, three tight ends in the third round, fourth round, I would certainly target Goddard. Um, late in drafts, as I believe he's one of the only tight end handcuffs in the league. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree more about Ertz. I think I, he's, to me, way more boom than bust. Um, I, I've been taking Ertz in in a bunch of mocks that I've been a part of. Um, I like Ertz, Ertz and Kelsey roughly equally, um, and I've been taking either of them well over Gronk, uh, at least in terms of where Gronk's being drafted. Um, He's actually had – sorry, I may have missed this. You may have said it already, but Ertz has actually more receptions than Gronk um, in each of the last three seasons, not to mention the touchdown, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that he's obviously a clear red zone target of, of uh, Carson Wentz. Um, so so – as and just that offense is just so unbelievable. I mean, it's so dynamic. There's so, there's, uh, so much talent. And I think that actually works, works in Ertz's favor. I think there's just going to be – um, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to go around 
Um, and I think I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he finishes as, as the, the number one tight end. Um, so I'm going way far down the list to, to for my boom bust uh, tight end, and that's uh, going to be Tyler Eifert. I love I it. This is going to be this is going to be a, a short spiel because there's really not much to say about Tyler Eifert other than he's flashed incredible upside in the past, but he flat out can't seem to stay healthy. I mean, that's pretty much what it what it comes down to. Um, but you know, Cincinnati signed him to sort of a one year prove it deal this off season. Um, he has great incentive to 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 sort of perform. Um, uh, he's, you know, he's shown remarkable touchdown ability when, when uh, on the field. And, and uh, you know, you could say that maybe there's, even if he's on the field, there's some regression that could happen in that front, but tight ends tend to sort of make their living catching touchdowns. Um, and uh, I, th- I think he's supposedly going to be healthy for the start of training camp. I think he's absolutely worth kind of a late round flyer. Uh, if you're somebody, I wouldn't necessarily be willing to take him as my my tight end one. But if you're somebody who doesn't mind carrying two tight ends on your roster, um, I think he's somebody to to seriously consider um, over some of the other kind of late tight end options that are available. Um, I, I think he might be good enough. Play, his on field history might be good enough where it might be worth it to sort of begin the season with him on your roster. I was just looking at at a Cincinnati schedule and they play Indianapolis week one who project to, I think probably have the worst defense um, in football. And at the very least, just, just kind of roster him at the beginning, see what happens. Um, if he gets hurt or he tanks, uh, he's not somebody that I think you're going to uh, lose too much sleep over cutting. Um, but uh, I still think I, I fundamentally believe that the upside is there. He could be a major touchdown target. Um, and you could do a lot. You could do a lot worse, I think, uh, at the end of a of a of a draft. So, somebody to to keep in mind. I agree, and and let's not forget about 2015. Although you know, in in, in fantasy football, it seems like 10 years ago, but 2015, he had over 600 receiving yards and 13 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's certainly Gronk esque, and uh, right. You know, he did that with the the ever powerful Andy Dalton, who has gone nowhere in Cincinnati. <laughs> Um, he will be there to feed Eifert as long as he's on the field. Um, and, uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, also not dismiss that, uh, Tyler Croft, um, who's not a huge name in, in fantasy circles per se. However, um, if you've owned Eifert, uh, over the years or AJ green, um, you certainly know Tyler Croft because he's also been kind of a touchdown vulture. Um, he's one of those guys who has, you know, eight catches on a season for six touchdowns, um, you know, so so the tight end position is certainly used in that uh, Cincinnati offense, and uh, I think uh, you know the Red Rifle likes to check it down there. So I think that's a great call, man. I think a lot of people forget about Eifert because um, he's been hurt in the last couple of years and just kind of faded away. But he is definitely somebody to chuck chuck a dart at. And again, if you take a risk on one of these top guys up in those rounds, Eifert, I don't even think is getting drafted. And if he is, oh. it's very late. So you can certainly kind of just put him in the holster and um, see what happens. You know, maybe Eifert takes off and he's healthy week six and you can maybe get something for one of those other bigger guys who may not be as hot as everyone predicts them to be. And they could be trade bait. So I think that's a, I think that's a great call. Right. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all the players we've talked about on this segment have been sort of high risk, high reward. I, I think Eifert qualifies as sort of a low risk, potentially high reward, right? If he, st- if he stinks or gets hurt, you're not really, 
out much, I don't think. Um, so it's so it's worth he's worth thinking about. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kuj with the triumphant comeback. More as solo. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. What's up with the I need you back. I never left. I'm back, baby. I'm back, baby. I'm back. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> oh, boys, I'm back. Well, that'll do it for boom and bust players. Let's turn the page here to some bounce back options. These are players who either had an injury last year or they are players who maybe had a down season, uh, depending on the hype that we had them uh, going with coming into the season last year. So let's get into some bounce back candidates. My first bounce back candidate is going to be Dak Prescott. Um, I have a lot to say about Dak. I actually have him in a couple different categories here. Um, But essentially... Zeke and Tyrone Smith are back. The O-line is healthy, ranked fourth overall per pro football focus. And and we've spent the last couple episodes listening to me harp on the terrible teams. I'd like to give a rep to one of the good teams on the offensive line. Dak's quote-unquote down year was actually really solid um, early and late. Uh, Dak was the number one quarterback in PPR through week seven and had at least 23 fantasy points in six of his 10 games with Zeke in the lineup. He ended up overall as QB 10, just ahead of big Ben. Mm. He had the higher passer rate. He had the highest passer rating against the blitz in the NFL. He also offers you approximately 300 yards on the ground and six touchdowns over the last two seasons. So everyone talks about Russell Wilson. Everyone talks about cam. Um, Dak can move too. I mean, three touchdowns in each of the last two seasons and roughly 150 yards on the ground is a really solid and great floor. Um, No Dez barking at him is a plus, in my opinion. Um, I just know uh, watching kind of younger quarterbacks over the years uh, grow up with one of these, you know, Terrell Owens, Ocho Cinco, Dez, one of these kind of diva receivers just barking at him constantly, give me the ball, Keyshawn Johnson back in the day. Those guys just, I think, wear out quarterbacks, you know, because the point is, like, they're trying to get the ball to the open guy and score touchdowns. And if that guy's not open or they don't get it to him, they hear about it every time. And I think that just gets exhausting. Um, Dez still doesn't have a job for one reason or another, so I don't think Dak is the problem. And um, I just think, you know, Gallup is legit. Um, and although Hearns, Beasley, Williams, and Tavon Austin aren't exactly stellar, they're all quality options, and I think great compliments to a defense that's going to be focusing on Zeke. Um, the NFL East, uh, or NFC East, excuse me, is tough all around this year as a whole, but I can see Dak flourishing uh, with a healthy line and Zeke for 16 games. I see him bouncing back significantly, although. From QB 10, it's not exactly a huge bounce back. I just think so many people 
remember the end of his, the middle to end of his season once uh, Tyrone Smith got hurt and Zeke got suspended and Dak had some horrendous games there in the middle. And I think that's what people remember. They don't remember how solid he was his rookie season two years ago and the first seven games of 2017. I personally love Dak and I expect big things from him this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the very least, just look at where he's going in drafts. I mean, he's going behind guys like, you know, extremely risky players like Derek Carr, Pat Mahomes, uh, Jared Goff, you know, so I think in some, the, at the very least, he's somebody that I think you could take sort of later on in drafts and, and have somebody with a very stable floor um, given, given his talent and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, his, like you said, his consistency when his weapons are on the field, um, you know, even if he doesn't achieve the upside that he once did, I think he's still reasonably likely to turn up a lot more value than, than what he's currently being drafted at. So I think that's definitely a great call. Um, so moving on to my quarterback, uh, pick. Uh, I'm gonna. It, this is gonna be kind of a similar deal, but I'm going with Jameis Winston, um, who I mean, the key to him. I, I mean, as really with with anybody, but I'll I'll say it sp- especially for him is his health. Um, if you took his production last year and extended the averages uh, through the games that he missed, he would have ended the year as the second best fantasy quarterback, which is kind of a staggering statistic. Um, and if you look at kind of what he's all of a sudden, it's uh, don't look now, but the Bucks have a bunch of weapons that he has to work with now. He's got a healthy Deshaun Jackson. He's got a uh, happy Mike Evans, who just had a who just landed a five year, uh, over eighty million dollar contract extension. Um, OJ Howard is improving rapidly. Um, uh, Godwin is another kind of sleeper that I think could provide, uh, you know, another another nice target for him. So I think he's posed. Excuse me, poised for a big bounce back uh, in in 2018, um, and especially kind of along the lines of Dak Prescott, where he's going. And Dre's currently the 22nd uh, the 22nd quarterback going off the board, and that's again behind the likes of of high risk players like Derek Carr and Mahomes, and inexplicably behind somebody like Eli Manning, who strikes me as being completely and utterly done. Um, so. <laughs> So I, 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 to me, that to me, that's just sort of given given Winston's upside. Um, that's sort of inexplicable to me. Um, but yeah, he's definitely somebody that I, I think is poised for a huge bounce back, bounce back. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up um, uh, inside the top ten this year. Um, and I think, uh, especially if, if for those of you out there who play in two quarterback leagues, uh, you'd best be targeting him. And uh, I, I think I'll he'll be somebody I'll be looking into as a backup so um so yeah i definitely like his chances this year you didn't even mention his favorite target potentially outside of mike evans which is cameron brait who also just got paid right um now now unfortunately for winston i can't give him i can't i can't big up him as much i just i'm just kind of tired of it i've owned mike evans the last couple of years and uh Jameis Winston just drives me crazy. Um, also, you know, his, his, his stunts and what he played uh, at Florida state against the ducks and a uh, couple, uh, ch- you know, championship games are just kind of annoying, but um, my own personal vendettas aside, uh, he's a bozo. And, and I worry, I worry that he, you know, my dad used to say growing up that, you know, he's got a million dollar arm with a 10 cent head. 
you know, and that's, that's a real thing. Like these guys, they're holding on to him because he was the number one draft pick and they're holding on to him because they've invested so much in him. But I would not be surprised at all if Jameis Winston is not even on the team next year. And frankly, if he steals any more crabs or gets uh, in any more, you know, legal issues, he could straight up be out of the league. Um, His team, his team is stacked, but uh, you know, you're talking about Eli Manning being done. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going into, I think it's his 42nd season. Um, and he is able to make that offense tick. So I don't think, I mean, Jameis is solid, but I think that they could do it with somebody else as well. And again, I'm not super hating on him, although I, I am. Um, but <laughs> I like he kind of were, but, but I, I, I'm just, I'm concerned that, I mean, first of all, he's missing a couple games this year and I'm just concerned that, um, he's one strike away from just not even being in the league anymore. Um, so bounce back, sure, um, because he was a little bit down last year. Um, but uh, we'll see, man. Jameis is kind of sketching me out. And I love, 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 love Mike Evans, but he worries me. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with, with uh, Jameis Winston. I like to call here with the bounce back, but I think that's a risky one as well. I think it could he could have just as easily gone in in the boom bust uh, category. Um, uh, so so yes, obviously he's he's extremely high risk. I just think he's the type of player that you target late in drafts um, for his upside. Um, and again, if if he if he tanks or he gets suspended or or gets banned for life, uh, you know you, you're not that, you're not hurting too badly given where he's going. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I still think there's potential there. I don't, I tend to, uh, I tend to believe that, that players, that any player is capable of sort of getting their head out of their ass. Um, and, uh, I I don't know about Winston. Obviously his track record is, is less than, uh, Sterling at this point in his career. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I have to believe that, that, um, given how, kind of dire the situation is that he might figure out how to kind of get himself together but I may be wrong um and and again I may be we may be reviewing this midseason and and he might not be in the league so we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes my running back bounce back is Spencer Ware um let's not forget that he was the starter going into 2017 um before his concussion and he's been in RB1 on multiple occasions. Um, basically, Spencer Ware was the Kareem Hunt of 2016. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Reid has kind of a Spencer Ware, Kareem Hunt um, running back by committee. Um, and I can certainly – I think they're just going to be in a timeshare anyway. But I could see this turning into more of kind of an uh, Alvin Kamara – Ingram situation than Kareem Hunt dominating. And uh, we saw what Spencer Ware could do. Um, Sharkander Quest is still around, but I think he's a third back, uh, third down back, maybe. Um, but he's he, he's not really a, a threat to me. Um, Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware are both amazing backs. So I just don't see why they wouldn't use them both. Um, and frankly, my biggest thing about the bounce back as far as the ADP goes is Spencer Ware's not even getting drafted in most leagues. So he's somebody that I'm absolutely down to take in my last pick or two and uh, just see what happens. And again, you know, I brought it up with Alvin Kamara last episode. If 
some of these guys, you just see what happens. Like you're not going to play him right away anyway. But if Kareem Hunt gets hurt, then Spencer Ware becomes Kareem Hunt all over again. We've already seen him do it. That offense is potent, as we've mentioned multiple times. I think he could be a stud. I love Spencer Ware. Yep. Yeah, no, 100%. I think he he definitely eats into Kareem Hunt's workload. Um, and, and uh, you know, I don't have too much more more to say. I, I know you're, I think, more hot on, on Ware than I am. But, uh, but I definitely, uh, for, for somebody – at the end of a draft, I think you could do a lot worse as a handcuff, if nothing else. Um, but uh, but I think beyond a handcuff, I think he he stands a, a real chance to actually play at yard, uh, get carries at at significant moments. So um, I, I totally uh, totally agree with your with your assessment there. Um, so for my bounce back, I'm going with Joe Mixon, who. Uh, Needless to say, I think had a, everyone would agree had a, quite a disappointing rookie season last year. Even then, he still led all the Bengals backs in rushing yards and tied for the lead in touchdowns. Um, and I believe he's sort of heading into this season as their feature every down back. Uh, Gio Bernard's still around, but I don't think they see him as a workhorse or somebody that's going to significantly eat into uh, Mixon's value. Um I think if you want to look for some silver linings in, in his, or, or so I should say reasons to be optimistic uh, from last year, Cincinnati had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last season, um, but they've uh, made some pretty significant efforts to improve their offensive line this year. Uh, for one, drafting Billy Price in the first round, and they've done um, a lot to, to sort of reinforce their line. Um, I think, again, he, he, uh, like uh, a lot of the players we've been talking about today, he carries a significant amount of risk. He hasn't proven himself. There were uh, some pretty concerning numbers uh, last year. Um, his elusive rating, uh, meaning the extent to which he's sort of uh, forcing missed tackles and things along those lines were, were absolutely lousy. Uh, 25th out of 28 running backs that were ranked. Um, he didn't necessarily have a great breakaway percentage. So I think he still has yet to prove himself um, as, as, uh, and flash that talent that he did uh, in college. Um, but I think sort of the, the comparison that I'm looking at when I'm thinking about uh, Mixon's prospects this year uh, is Melvin Gordon, who kind of was similarly a bust in his rookie year. He fumbled a gazillion times. Um, he didn't uh, necessarily have much in terms of uh, elusiveness or, or, or breakaway speed. Um, but his transition to his sophomore season was, um, really quite stark in terms of how, um, you know, how he assumed that workhorse role in his second year and really kind of, um, squashed a lot of the concerns that people were making about him. And I can see Mixon doing a very similar thing this year. And again, ultimately I've said it once and I'll continue to say it. Opportunity is King and he figures to be their workhorse this year. I think he's going to get a ton of carries. Um, I, I would be shocked if he didn't put up running back two value. And I think he has a very real chance to be a top 10 uh, runner this year. Any concerns with Gio Bernard? I don't think so. I, I mean, I just don't think that I, I think he's been around and been on there, been on Cincinnati long enough um, as kind of in this secondary role for, for me to conclude that I just don't think they see him as a feature back. And I don't think, that he's some. I think he's an excellent handcuff. In fact, I think I 
uh, you and I talked about, uh, you know, doing a hand a handcuff episode at one point on this podcast, and I think I put him on there because if something ever happened to Mixon, I think Bernard would be incredibly valuable, and he's still talented, um, and he'll catch some passes, and he'll and he'll I think he'll carry PPR value for sure, um, but I don't I don't see him as somebody that's going to threaten Mixon's uh, ability to to sort of be the bell cow back. Um, and, and, you know, rush for a ton of yards. Fair enough. I like Mixon. I expect big things from him this year. Um, some would argue he's even better than Melvin Gordon because he scored at least a touchdown in his rookie season. Right. So, um, I think that, uh, I think this is a great call. I, I honestly, I don't even think that, uh, kind of like Jamis Winston, I don't even think their seasons last year were, were bad enough to consider something this year being a bounce back, um, however, I think they're good candidates for you to mention because I think it's less about what they actually did and more about the hype behind them. And as we see every single year, like a guy like Will Fuller, who is just like blowing up this year and you look at his numbers and you're just kind of like, why, you know, right. and Mixon is like, his numbers aren't that good. But if you watch the guy play, you're just like, dude, this dude's a stud. Like he's gonna be good. Like Melvin Gordon is going to be good, you know. So I, I think that's I think that's a great call. Um, I like Geo a lot too, but I think that you're right. He's been on the team long enough. They know what his role is, and unless Mixon gets hurt, he's gonna kind of be that change of pace back. And you know he'll get his numbers, but I don't think he's gonna take away from Mixon. I think they're really gonna try to um, embrace him as that uh, bell cow this year, beefing up that line. So I think that's a great call. And the other thing that I that I neglected to mention is is uh, you know the, the the Bengals have a new offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, um, and I think uh, I I don't I'm not I, you know a coordinator uh, evaluator per se, but but just from kind of what I I understand, um, it's gonna things are gonna be more interesting over there. I think the offensive scheme is gonna be more wide open. I think there's gonna be more opportunities for Mixon to display that playmaking ability uh, that he showed in college. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching him. My receiver bounce back candidate is Amari Cooper. And I'm not the biggest fan of Amari Cooper, but I felt that he was a perfect candidate for the wide receiver category. And I think I'm willing to give it one more try, um, which I think is ridiculous to say, seeing that he's only 24 years old. I mean, he could straight up be in the league another like eight to 10 years. Um, but Again, with the hype that was generated from him coming out of Alabama and everything he was supposed to do with Derek Carr early, I think we saw, frankly, you know, Michael Crabtree was the star of that offense for the last couple of years. Um, and it was supposed to be Amari Cooper. Now, you may remember a 200-yard performance, uh, but let's, let's, not, let's not get too excited about that as, as he had – many, many, many a subpar performances around that. Some say he was injured. Some say he had some mental instabilities that he was getting self-conscious and concerned, which is uh, interfering with his uh, catching abilities. Uh, he was just off with Derek Carr. Derek Carr was hurt a lot of last year is an argument. Uh, so he wasn't getting the ball where it needed to be. Whatever it may be, Cooper certainly hasn't lived up to the hype just yet, but I think we saw in his rookie season when he had over a thousand yards that he is certainly capable of doing it. Um, John Gruden is back in Oakland and he loves Amari Cooper. He said that basically the offense is going to run through Amari Cooper. Is that a good idea? I will leave that up to coach Gruden, but basically that's what he's looking to do. And he compared him to Sterling Sharp 
after bulking up to 225 pounds from 211. And for the kids out there, Sterling Sharp played in the 90s. So um, look him up. But he's basically a beast that uh, used to go up and, and contest for the ball. And John Gruden's been coaching for a long time and coached him out in Green Bay. And uh, if he thinks that's a comparable option, um, I think that would be great because Sterling Sharp was an animal. And if Amari Cooper can be, you know, 80% of Sterling Sharp, I think that's a steal. Um, I don't think that Jordy Nelson is washed, um, but he's also not Jordy Nelson of a few years ago. Uh, Amari's the number one receiver and Carr is capable, although I think he also had an extremely down year last year. Um, there's not many other options in the offense to compete with. And um, John Gruden did feed Joey Galloway and Keyshawn Johnson uh, during his time with the Bucks in the early 2000s. Um, so his, you know, quote unquote, back to the 90s approach isn't all run game. I think that that John Gruden does like to kind of cut it loose a little bit. He's got some pretty fossilized running backs in Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin. So I'm not sure that that's even going to hold up even if he wants to go that way. And I think, again, we've seen Carr and Cooper do it, and I think it can happen this year. Um, Cooper's frankly too talented to continue to be mediocre, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think, you know, that again, there's, there's, uh, I, I've seen just kind of reading various things on, uh, uh, you know, mock drafts and, and, and analyses and things like that, that I've heard online. He's being one of the most kind of hotly debated uh, players this year in terms of, I've seen him on as many sleeper lists as I have seen him on bust lists. Um and I think, uh, you know, that, that goes to show you the range of outcomes that I think people sort of envision for him. Uh, no, one quali- no one, I think, is questioning his talent. Uh, and I agree with you there. I think sometimes people question his sort of concentration um, and things along those lines. But I think, uh, you know, there's, there's no doubt how, how, you know, that he's one of the probably most talented receivers currently um, in the league. Um, and, and yeah, with Crabtree moving on, uh, and, and, you know, I don't know what people think of, of Jordy Nelson, but I, I, I think it's nonetheless, you know, I think it's very clear that he's on the downslope of his career. Uh, I think uh, I agree that I'm, uh, I would say pretty much all in on, on a, on a bounce back season from Cooper. Um, the argument that I've heard against him is that people are sort of drafting him based on his up based on his sort of youth and his athleticism and his raw talent. Um, but that, uh, you know, people are, are, you know, a number of, uh, of analysts think he's just simply not going to put it together and make the most out of the tools that he has. Um, I, I, for one disagree. I think I'm on board with you, um, in putting him as a bounce back candidate and, um, definitely somebody that I, that I'll look into on draft day. Um, so for my wide receiver, uh, uh, I was about to say sleeper, my wide receiver, uh, bounce back candidate, uh, I'm taking, uh, uh, Cooper's counterpart on the other side of the bay, Pierre Garcon, who, um, was kind of a, I wouldn't say not kind of, I mean, he was undoubtedly a fantasy bust last year. Um, but he was also undoubtedly one of the most unlucky receivers in the league. He somehow managed to score no touchdowns despite seeing 65 targets in only eight games before he went down with a season-ending neck injury. 
um, obviously, you know, he had people like CJ Bitard throwing to him most of the time. Um, so it's, you know, not surprising uh, that his numbers were down a little bit. Um, but somehow he was on pace for, for a respectable 80 receptions and 1,000 yards without uh, Jimmy uh, Garoppolo, who is, uh, will now be throwing him the ball. And obviously, for those of you who have uh, listened to our earlier podcast, I have my reservations about Garoppolo in terms of where he's being drafted. But that certainly does not mean that I don't see him as a um, ginormous upgrade on what the Niners have been dealing with for the last few seasons. Um, so I think, uh, personally, I think all, all signs point to Garcon uh, going back to the player that he was uh, before last year. Um, he, uh, other than his rookie year, last year was the, the lowest production totals for him overall. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's been one of these kind of consistent fantasy studs for so many years, um, kind of leading up to last year. Um, certainly a target monster. Um, and, uh, you know, I think all signs point to him sort of returning to that role, assuming he's healthy, which he supposedly is and ready for week, uh, ready to be good to go week one. Um, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, uh, be able to achieve his third, a thousand yard plus, uh, receiving season. So going with Garcon as my, uh, bounce back candidate. And this is one, I think I feel, uh, pretty confident on, um, unlike, you know, we'll see what happens with Mixon, who's largely unproven, and obviously Winston is even more of a risk. Uh, but Garcon, I feel pretty confident in his bounce back this year. I don't hate it. I'm a big fan of uh, Goodwin. I think Marquise Goodwin's legit. I also, you know, they brought in Pettis um, from Washington, who's a speedster. Um, also, let's not forget about, you know, um, you know, uh, George Kittle over the middle as well, who, who I think him and Garcon are going to be kind of battling a little bit for that, that over the middle range. Um, and, uh, uh, see Trent, um, the receiver, his, his name is slipping my, my name, uh, my mind right now, but he's also a slot receiver. And, and so I just think, Taylor. Trent, Trent Taylor. Thank you so much. Sorry. Um, Trent Taylor. Yes. Is, uh, is another option there that, um, you know, that uh, the Niners seem to like, so we'll see what Shanahan can do. Um, Cause Garcon was certainly off to a, to a hot start, although he kind of had a Julio situation going on where he got all the targets and he had quality yards, but he wasn't getting the touchdown. So we'll see if that can turn around, but I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in San Francisco all of a sudden. And uh, we'll see if one of them is, uh, is Garcon. Yep. No doubt. My tight end bounce back is Jordan Reed. And this, I'll make this make this quick and simple. If he's healthy, if he's a tight end five, Alex Smith has made a history of sustaining top tier tight ends. See Vernon Davis and Travis Kelsey, and we've seen Reed be able to be a top option in the offense with Cousins in Washington over the years. It's pretty risky business here, but worth a shot, I think, if you pass on the big three tight ends and are down. Um, to kind of ride waivers if he does miss time. So I think uh, much like Tyler Eifert, I think that Jordan Reed is also in that category of if he's healthy, he, both of them are potentially one of those guys I could see reclaiming a top three spot, but they could also be out in the first couple of weeks. Yep. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, I, I, I talked about Reed a little bit uh, last time, I definitely somebody that I won't go anywhere near. Um, unlike, I mean, I agree. Like Eifert, he's he's a 
remarkably talented tight end with a lot of upside who's hurt all the time. But unlike Eifert, Reed is actually going relatively early in drafts. Um, his ADP right now is in the eighth round. And that that gives me the heebie-jeebies in terms of uh, you know taking a pick that high on somebody who's been injured so much. Um, but but yeah, uh, certainly uh, that that is a I think the bold a very bold call for a bounce back candidate. But um, I, if he's on the field, I have no doubt that that would be the case for sure. All right, so for my uh, bounce back candidate tight end, uh, I'm going for another sort of injury reclamation project in Greg Olson. Um, so obviously, there's a ton of risk here. There's a lot of risk in drafting a 33 year old tight end coming back from uh, foot surgery. But I think just in general, it's important to not forget just how dominant Olsen was before 2017. Uh, he had over 3,000 yards in the three seasons prior to last year, and he uh, dominated in the NFL playoffs and has consistently done so. Um, so it shows he he ha- he still has, I think, the playmaking ability. Um, and it's not like, unlike somebody like Jordan Reed or Tyler Eifert, it's not like Olsen has been an injury-prone player. He was actually had never missed a game remarkably until last season. So it's not like somebody who, who you have huge concerns over as being uh, somebody who's going to just keep going down over and over and over again. Now, that being said, I absolutely do believe at 33 years old, he's, going, he's definitely on the downslope of his career. I don't expect to see the player that we saw in, you know, 2015, 2016. Um, but... Uh, he's still, I think, reasonably likely to be a target machine for them. He's seen at least 104 targets in every season dating back to 2012. Um, and I'll, I'll remind you that this that there were just six tight ends who topped 95 targets in 2017. And again, tight end especially being such a volatile position in fantasy and there being so few sort of surefire things, uh, you really need to be chasing targets um, and I don't, though I don't think Olsen has top three upside anymore. I think he's definitely not on the level of an Ertz or a Kelsey or a Gronk. Uh, I think there's still no doubt that he's going to be, or I, I think anyway, that there's no doubt that he's going to be one of the top tight ends. Um, uh, I think, uh, again, I think a return to his sort of a thousand yard, a reception, a thousand yard plus ways is probably unlikely, but I think aging Greg Olsen is still a top five tight end. Um, and I, he's, I'm not uh, scared off by his injury last year. Uh, he's still likely going to be probably a top two target uh, on the in the Panthers' offense. Um, he, he and Cam have been have been having chemistry for a number of years now. Um, so I think uh, you know he's somebody that that I'm looking to outside of the of the top three uh, that I think could provide some very real value. I like the call. I'm definitely concerned about his foot. Um, just being a 33 year old man trying to basically recoup from an injury like that is not as easy as it is when you're 23, 25, um, just on a, you know, physical level of the human body. Um, obviously he has played through numerous injuries throughout his career though. So he's certainly a tough guy. And up until last year, he hadn't missed a game, um, uh, since his time back in Chicago, I believe. So uh, I love Greg Olson as a player. Um, I certainly have my concerns about Cam. And I think that uh, there are some more mouths to feed that the Panthers haven't had over the years. So, you know, if he can compete with uh, 
with, you know, DJ Moore and he can compete with Devin Funchess and he can get some of those over the middle short range targets that I think McCaffrey is probably going to be taking a lot of. Um, I think his numbers will definitely be there. So, so he's certainly an, an excellent player in general. I'm a little concerned about his overall situation this particular year with everything kind of stacked up against him. But absolutely, Greg Olson can certainly be one of those guys who could overtake one of the uh, one of the top three for sure. Well, that'll do it for the bounce back players. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. A pleasure as always. I can't wait to do it again. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. Make sure you email your questions to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids with the hashtag TCKPod. And remember, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Don't screw up. For Daniel Stancato, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.